Sing Second Sports is a ProVision Advisors production. Let us solve your toughest communication problems and leave your team stronger and more capable for the challenges that lie ahead. Visit www.provisionadvisors.net to learn more. Hey, hey, hello, and welcome to the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis Postgame Report here on the Sing Second Sports Podcast. I'm John Schofield. Joining us is Bill Wagner of the Capital Gazette and Chris Cervello working the board playing old man radio and everything else. This is the postgame of yesterday's kind of heartbreaking 38-35 uh, defeat to ECU. Owen Daffer, um, very unfortunate kicker name, drilled a 54-yard field goal as time expired. We'll go into that final drive for East Carolina, which, but it, it resulted in a 54-yard field goal from Daffer, whose previous long was only 39, and he just pummeled this right between the uprights to give ECU the victory. Um, great game. Uh, Mikel Haywood scored on a 98-yard kickoff return. There's that good special teams, which has been an exception, because uh, usually the losses this year have been marred by bad special teams. It gave Navy a 35-27 lead with 8.33 left. It was our first kickoff return for a TD since 2012 when Gigi Green did it. East Carolina's Holt Nailers played very, very well, even with the movement restrictions he had wearing that ascot, 405 yards passing and three TDs. He was big. like He just seemed large out there on the field. He reminded me of the old lefty who played for the Detroit Lions, Scotty Mitchell. He made good decisions. He, I think he only had like six incompletions, and he seemed in command the entire time. And his answer to that GG, or that GG Green, that Mikel Haywood kickoff return uh, was a 28-yard touchdown pass to Tyler Sneed. And then he had another huge pass to Sneed on the uh, final drive of the game that put them in field goal position. And after all of that, it is a 38 to 35 loss. Heartbreaking. Um, they really played well. Hats off to the seniors. Wags, what were your impressions as, as that game you know, unfolded yesterday? Well, it was almost hard to believe, John, on a lot of levels. I thought for sure Navy was going to win, especially when they took the eight-point lead after the Haywood return. And, you know, Michael McMorris even said, all along, I thought for sure we were going to win it. Senior day, Navy doesn't lose on senior day. And just to see the way it unfolded. And I, I had said on multiple podcasts last week, I wanted to see the Navy offense get the job done. And they did. They did. Came out and played one of their best games of the season. Moved the ball up and down the field. Ty Lavatai looked good. But the defense let down. I would never have expected it. I'll tee up some of the stats for you that support your hypothesis here about the defense. You know, Holton Aylers, I went into him, you know, 405 yards passing in just a great day. Um, Keaton Mitchell had 99 yards uh, rushing. Uh, Tyler Sneed had 145 yards receiving. You know, it was just they – or uh, Tyler Sneed had 137 yards receiving and two TDs. You know, all of those other stats were in support of what we need Navy to do to win. Um, I mean, Ty Labatai, even had, he had a perfect day passing. He was four for four with two TDs. 
Tell me the last time, you know, since Keenan Reynolds, something like that happened. We had 345 yards rushing. We only had four penalties. And then all of a sudden, when, when you think Brian Newberry's defense is going to secure us that win, it just didn't happen. And I don't know if I can blame the defense as much as I can congratulate um, ECU on a, on a great game and Holton Naylor's on a really well-run game. But, but you're right, Wags. The, the defense was, was just kind of head-scratchingly not there, right? Yeah, John, and that's what I was starting to say. It's really disappointing because the defense has kept Navy in games all season, and I have expressed confidence week after week. Don't worry. The defense will hold the opponent under 30. All Navy has to do is score 30 or more, and they have a chance to win. Well, they score 35. You know, as good an offensive performance as Navy's played all season, and it's not enough. It is just it's so frustrating that this team can't put it all together. They can have a day in which the offense and defense complement one another. Everything is in sync. It's just one or the other. Offense is good, defense is bad, or in most cases, defense is good, offense is bad. And I just, my heart breaks for these seniors. I wanted so bad in a tough season for these 25 seniors to go out as winners. And Coach Kenny Amatololo, who, by the way, suffered a, what looked to be a pretty serious injury. I would not be surprised if we find out that he has a torn ACL or something similar because he was hurting. He got just slammed into by an East Carolina defender along the sideline, and he was down, and he was hurting. You, they had a close-up of him being worked on by the trainers, and you could see the agony on his face. And he was hurting so bad, he had to turn the play calling over to Ivan Jasper. He, he was not feeling well enough to call the plays. He, he, he stayed on the field by sheer willpower. Um, he came into the post-game presser with a knee brace on, a big, heavy knee brace. So I would not be surprised to find out that Coach Can suffered a fairly serious injury. But he said that it was just awful in the locker room. Normally, you know, despite all the losses, they remained upbeat. But in this instance, these seniors, it was just everyone was crying. It was just it was awful. He said it was awful. In fact, he felt so bad that he stayed in the locker room way longer than normal. Normally, he's the first person to appear at the post-game press conference. Then we do the players. In this case, we did players, both offense and defense, and then still waited a little while for Coach Ken to come up. Now, part of that is he got an x-ray after the game, but he told us he wanted to hug and console every single senior individually. Felt that was his responsibility. That's part of why we love Coach Ken because he's got such humanity and he truly does love his players, which means a lot, but it just, it was awful, John. I really, really wanted to see those seniors get a win on senior day, have something to feel good about and begin what we had hoped would be a nice season ending stretch of three wins to finish with some positive momentum. And it just didn't happen, John. And it's just, you got to make plays. I mean, whole nailers throws a, I was sitting next to East Carolina coaches on the final drive that produced a 54 yard game winning field goal. Holden Aylers threw that ball up for grabs and these Carolina coaches in the booth were going, no, what are you doing? And then the next thing you know, I hear a coach go, he caught it. He caught it. And that's they, they were as shocked as anyone. And that's a ball thrown up for grabs and the East Carolina guy makes a play. And you mentioned it, Snead. How good was he yesterday? Two touchdown catches, the big catch to set up the game-winning field goal. He was the man 
wouldn't be surprised to see him playing in the NFL because he's a one of those shifty little inside receivers that everybody wants. But it's you got to make a play. The Navy defender didn't make a play. East Carolina receiver did, and it's ball game. Yeah, and I'll bring Chris in here to kind of give his take because he and I were right next to each other watching – uh, those final two drives. And and really the heartbreaker was the, the Lapatai pass to Mark Walker um, that we really thought was going to at least get a first down um, there at the very end with the score tied at 35. Uh, we started the drive with five minutes left in the game. And like you said, I really thought, and Chris really thought that we were going to drive down and win it, that it was going to be one of those grind out the clock, Bijan from 30 yards or so, field goal, win the game, winner, winner, chicken dinner, seniors go home happy. Um, And it was not to be uh, the completed pass to Walker was then punched out um, by the East Carolina defender. We have to punt. They get the ball with one minute left. So I at least thought we were going to go into overtime before that aforementioned Holton Ehlers pass. So Chris, you know, it's like drudging up a bad memory from you and I last night. Um, You know, what, what's what's your take on this because god it does not taste good this morning yeah those last two drives were were heartbreaking um but i i I walked away from yesterday's game pretty upbeat actually Uh, i I mean and uh you know a loss is a loss and um i I thought i was just reading again the game notes and the the quotes from uh coach ken and you know the the final one that's in the notes is our guys battled hard and left it all on the field and i i think i truly believe that i think this is the first game that i walked away with feeling um that they had played well on all three sides of the ball and i understand what wax says about defense um that they didn't have the herculean uh effort that they that they needed but i i thought i actually thought the defense played well um they they struggled to make stops at at, at key points um but i was really impressed really really impressed with how the offense moved we saw some big plays i think we saw our quarterback play like a navy quarterback really for the first time um and so I, um, while I would have liked to have won and, you know, then gone to temple and then gone to army and string together three wins, I think we go into temple riding high. Um, I, I hope that coach Ken in the, in the leadership of the team is able to harness that disappointment and turn it into, you know, anger or motivation as they head to Philly on, uh, on this coming Saturday. And I felt like we played better, um, in a way that sets us up to play uh, Army um, in, in a more balanced way. So I come out of there, the, the win notwithstanding, I, I come out of there feeling really good about what I saw. I agree with you. And, and again, one of those weird stats, and I'm a huge stats guy when it comes to breaking down the football games, like ECU you know, had more time of possession than we did by almost five minutes. Um, their offense was so good. And to make your point, you know, with you, I really didn't feel like this was a game that we lost as much as I felt like Holton Naylor's Keaton Mitchell and Tyler Sneed were not going to get stopped yesterday. And they didn't. And it, they overcame great performances by Carlinos AC, you know, the, the big long 90 yard touchdown run, you know, like when was the last time you remember a 90 yard rushing TD and a kickoff return TD in the same game and the quarterback going four for four 
with two TDs. It, it was just a great effort by yeah, a the, lot, a lot of guys. It was the first time in program history uh, that we had two 90 yard plays. I do want to ask you guys a question because as I saw the time of possession differential, I assume that has to be because of the big plays, right? I mean, that that's what kind of factors that that in, right? I mean, you know, the score would have made you think if you didn't really, if you didn't look at the box, uh, the score would have made you think, you know, with, with Navy having almost 400 yards uh, total offense, 382 yards to, to be exact. And then, um, you, you know, it being that close, you would have thought that Navy would have uh, would have won the battle of, uh, of possession. Obviously, a 90-yard run takes up a whole lot less time than, um, <laughs> than driving the ball in, in a typical Navy form uh, going all the way down there. But yeah, I, I, I just think that it was, it was a really entertaining game. It was really fun for many, many reasons that we'll get into here in a minute. But you know, in the end, uh, now this is a team that has to turn around, get into Thanksgiving week, which is a distraction as it is, go up to Philly and play at the link and, uh, and then start preparing for finals and army. Um, it, it would just have been so much easier, obviously captain obvious here. It would have been a whole lot easier to do that. Uh, going out of Navy Marine Corps stadium with the win for the seniors. Wags temple is one team that you've just got to beat. They're not that good. Um, they've struggled all season. And I agree with Chris on a couple counts. The offense, it was very encouraging what we saw, and I do believe Ty Lavatai really took a big step forward, although I've said that before. Against Central Florida, it looked like he took a big step forward, and then he took some steps back. So I'm hoping that the offense as a whole took a step forward. It looked good. I mean, all the, the elements were working. The fullbacks were getting yards. The, they're getting it pitched to the slots. Ty had nice runs when he kept the ball. and. That that's what I was going to that's what I was going to point to wax. What I really liked from Ty yesterday was um when when the throw wasn't there, when he stepped back um and either looked to throw or or looked to pitch, he didn't hesitate to take off. Um and some of those he broke and some of those instead of for, uh, going for a loss, went for 3 and 4 yards and kept the mids on schedule. I thought that that to me was the difference between some of the other games that we felt like he played well. That that's where I felt like he had matured. Absolutely, Chris. And I, I just I hope that he's truly turned the corner and that there's no further regression. I mean, he's gained a lot of experience this year and you know, he looked good running the option. It looked like the option. I'll tell you one thing I noticed. I'm going to have to ask Coach Nia Matalolo about this in our Monday presser. But that Coach Ken was sending the plays in by shuttling slot backs and receivers. That's what Paul Johnson used to do. The um, Navy had gotten into this where they had the backup quarterback signaling in the plays using signs and other different things. Um, and I like that they went back to the head coach sending the plays in, and which means that Ty had to make some decisions at the line of scrimmage. So maybe they showed some trust in Ty reading defenses and making checks when necessary. But yeah, it looked good. And so I, I am encouraged from that standpoint. Uh, going into Temple and Army, um, I just, I just again, I, I, I really wish that somehow, some way, Navy could have pulled this one out because the Senior Day victory would have meant so much and been a real, you know, confidence boost. And I, John mentioned it, the play that it was just an absolute killer 
was the Mark Walker getting it punched out by that uh, cornerback Jaquin Million. He he had the first down, and Coach Ken even said we we were going to go win the game. We would have milked that clock and brought you know set Bijan Nichols up in the part of the field where he's most comfortable, and he would have kicked the game winning field goal with time running out. And it's just so amazing how quickly it turned from Navy apparently ready to go get a winning field goal to East Carolina doing so. It's just, uh, I don't even know what else to say. And, and that's what I wanted to bring up was, I don't know what the press box feeling was on that last drive and what they were doing before the field goal, because Chris and I were scratching our heads. Owen Daffer, his career long was 39 and they get it. And they're right there kind of, you know, at, at, well, obviously beyond, they know what his range is and he knows what his range is. But I, I thought with the time that they had left, that they were going to go down and try to get him at least to a more comfortable length. You know, but basically they run Keaton Mitchell right up the middle, like essentially taking a knee. And then they got the false start penalty, which was like, what in the world are they doing um, to set up a 54 yarder as time expired? I was as shocked as, as anyone that that kick went in, but God, I mean, you don't, you don't draw that one up at practice to run a final drive like that. And they were lucky to get out of there with a win in my opinion. So, you know, Chris, take us out here, but you know, again, I, I, I have to applaud the seniors. I have to applaud um, that entire team for leaving it all out there yesterday. I agree with you guys. Ty Lavatai put a stranglehold on the quarterback position and basically sent a warning shot that that position is his for the next two years. And, you know, let, let's go to a Temple team that, you know, I, I just said that I think they're a pretty good team and they have beaten Memphis this year, but they are now in the midst of a six game losing streak where they have been getting stomped. Uh, East Carolina beat them 45 to three. So let's hope that we can go up to Philly and celebrate Thanksgiving with a win there. Chris? Yeah, the, I, I share all of those thoughts. The only last observation I want to make is how different was the fourth quarter from the third quarter, right? I mean, the third quarter could have lulled you to sleep. I mean, it was sleepy there. I mean, it was like two heavyweights holding on to each other in a boxing match and not really doing anything. And then it was like, bam, we were off and running again in the fourth quarter. It was I mean, it was insane in, in, in it a was good way. highly a entertaining. Fan. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was well, the third quarter has been like a pillow fight. And we're going to talk about a giant pillow fight that took place with men's basketball here as we go out. But the third quarter was really hard to watch. And then the fourth quarter was helter skelter up and back, you know, good old fashioned, exciting, um, you know, American athletic conference football. Wag. Well, and that Ty Lavatai said that that's where the game was lost in his opinion. And, you know, I do like that when the defense plays well and the offense struggles, the defense doesn't try to put blame on the offense. They say we need to do better. Should have gotten more stops. We didn't win. And the same with offense yesterday. Not going to blame the defense for not being able to, you know, get a few stops against East Carolina. What Ty said is we had two drives in the third quarter and we didn't get the job done. Game should have been over. He said should have come down to the end. We should have had more breathing room. And uh, so I applaud Ty for taking responsibility and. You know, the fact that they didn't get any, it was a scoreless third quarter, as mentioned, but the fact that they didn't get anything done on their, their third quarter drives loomed large. Very true. And, uh, and that's where, that's how the cookie crumbles, as we say. So hats off to East Carolina and Holton Aylers. And I, I think, I think he and Tyler Sneed are going to be playing on Sundays. And I think Holton Aylers is going to be a very, very good quarterback. And he was a very good quarterback yesterday. Um, so 
Thank you to Wags. Thank you to Chris. This has been the Sheehy Lexus of Annapolis postgame report. Many thanks to Paulo Rochelle and the rest of the staff there right off of Baydale Drive in Annapolis. Go see them for the very best deals on the Lexus vehicle of your choice. We are going to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to break down what was an absolutely busy and record-breaking uh, Saturday for other Naval Academy sports. We'll talk about that. So stick with us. This is Sing Second Sports. If you're looking for more in-depth coverage of Navy football, check out Bill Wagner, Keenan Reynolds, and Eric Catani on the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V, Believe. They do a recap show that looks just at the week that was in Navy football, and then they do a pod later in the week that looks ahead at the upcoming game. You can find that podcast, and it's called Believe in Navy Football, B-L-E-A-V in Navy Football. You can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. So in addition to Sing Second Sports, check out Believe in Navy Football. Now back to the pod. And we are back. Okay, so let's break down some other action. One of the better defensive efforts in school history gave the Navy men's basketball team a, that's right, I am using the correct score here, 47 to 33 victory over Radford um, in the Timmins Arena in Greenville, South Carolina. The 33 points scored by Radford um, ties the mark for the second fewest points scored by a Navy opponent in the game since box scores became available in 1951. They had eight points in the half. Um, For context, Jason Tatum for the Boston Celtics scored 33 points all by himself against the LA Lakers last night, just putting it out there. Uh, John Carter must have been listening to Mike Heary from the last pod. He paced the Navy offense with 13 points, had a really good defensive game, had four steals. Greg Summers also tabbed a uh, team high eight rebounds. And and there you go, Um, a great win with a horrible score, but a win is a win. Radford was 13 for 55 from the field (laughs) one for 13 from three and if that wasn't bad enough they threw in five missed free free throws for effect essentially it was like the seamanship and navigation pickup basketball team playing the king hall crew in mcdonough from back in the day with john schofield scoring eight points and having 12 turnovers hats off to um to coach d's guys for the big win against radford and then they turn right back around and play Furman. and as mike here he told you, you know, Furman is not a bad team. They beat Louisville um, in overtime. Um, Wags, any takes on the men's basketball result other than, wow, eight points and a half? A win is a win, John. You know, however you got to get it done. Actually, Coach D probably loved that win because he's Joe defense. They don't call – Coach D could be Coach defense because that's all he preaches, you know, win with defense, taking care of the ball and rebounding. and. Uh, we also should mention Daniel Deaver, the junior forward. He had 10 points and he had three blocked shots in the first 20 minutes of the game. So that's a little bit of tone, uh, of a tone defensively. But yeah, hey, wins a win. You're down there in Greenville, South Carolina, neutral court site. And, you know, both people were, both teams were probably a little, you know, unfamiliar with the Timmins Arena surroundings. Um, but wins a win, good for men's basketball. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what to say. I'm gonna I'm gonna channel Diego Fago when I talk about this Radford effort, and I'm gonna say if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. 
let's talk about something nice because Chris and I went into Alumni Hall and hats off to, to all the supporters that came out to watch the women's team. They were trailing by 11 points late into the third quarter, and then they mounted a furious comeback, went on a 22-9 run in the last quarter, and won 55-51. to 51. They shot 53% from the field. Um, <laughs> another head-scratching stat, they were 100% from three. They were three for three, but shot 100% from three points. So uh, they, they turned the Catamounts out of uh, Alumni Hall, sent them home with a loss. Jennifer Coleman, if you've listened to WAGS, just a double-double gobbled-up machine. I mean, she, fourth straight game of 20-plus points to start the season. She had 23 points, uh, locked in 11 rebounds, and basically was dominant and played all 40 minutes. WAGS? Well, she can't continue to keep playing 40 minutes, and Tim Taylor even said that, didn't but she has just been awesome. Jennifer Coleman is playing great basketball, four straight games of 20 points or more. She, like you said, almost a guaranteed third double-double of the season. Uh, she goes and grabs rebounds like a, a maniac, six steals. I mean, what doesn't she do? But I'm concerned because she cannot carry the team the entire season. They've got to get some help from other sources. Now, uh, Amani Edmonds, Colby Green, and Sidney Watts combined for 22 points. But, I mean, think about that. Coleman is scoring 23, and your next three leading scorers are getting 22 between them. So, I mean, I just I worry that if Jennifer Coleman has an off day, this team has no chance to win. But, you know, Jennifer Coleman's showing no signs of having off days. Early favorite for uh, Patriot League uh, most valuable player, most outstanding player, player of the year for Jennifer. She keeps playing this way, John. She looked good. Um, in fact, right before Chris and I um, were going over to the football game, we were able to catch a few minutes of action. But uh, she just she looked like she was comfortable and that she owned the court. And obviously, we got down. She let us back. They get a win. Hats off to them. But uh, it was just nice to see them in action. Let's talk about water polo. They got, and again, when you're talking about record-setting days, I want you to think for a second about the number I'm about to tell you. They got a record-setting performance from goalkeeper Caden Capobianco, which, again, is my favorite name in Navy sports now. Um, knock, knock that one down, Chris, on our list of fantasy football names that we're going to use in the future. Um, <laughs> Capabianco set the Navy individual record with 23 saves against the three seed in the Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference Tournament, George Washington Colonials, uh, to give Navy uh, the big win, 11-7 victory against GW in the pool to go to their first championship game since 2011. Hats off to Louis Nicolau and the Water Polo Boys. We should mention that Louie finally got formally inducted into the to the uh, Mid-Atlantic Water Polo Conference uh, Hall of Fame. That honor was announced last year, but he was not able to be formally inducted because they didn't have the tournament. So congratulations to Louie for you know finally getting the in-person honor. It well-deserved. Very well-deserved. And we should remind people that he got inducted as a player. Um, so that opens the door, certainly, for him to be inducted as a coach later in the future. And he's well on his way. 
unfortunately, it was not a good Saturday for Navy volleyball. Um, you know, a, a balanced offense from Colgate up in uh, Hamilton uh, resulted in a three set to one defeat. The top seeded Red Raiders certainly learned a bunch from, you know, way back at the beginning of the season when Navy beat them. Um, they turned around and beat them on November 6th, and now they beat them yesterday in the tournament. That ends Navy's season. Hats off to um, to the uh, Colgate uh, volleyball team for that. They now go to Sunday's championship match against American. Um, Paco, you know, Labrador, hats off to him. His quote, um, you know, they played with a ton of heart. We put up a good fight, but credit to Colgate. They had the answer, and they certainly did. So, um, you know, we certainly don't like to see the seasons end. We want them all to end with uh, Navy singing second, but in this particular case, they did not. Hey, John, um, what, will, just one, one quick one. Uh, Navy wrestling uh, with four uh, number ones. Uh, they came in the third place. Uh, they came in third place overall in the Navy Classic, but uh, that was quite an event to see as we stuck our heads in there. So uh, hopefully they'll have a great season. That was a neat little setup um, in Wesley Brown Fieldhouse. Chris and I were able to go down there and and see dudes just just pummeling each other on the mat. It was kind of fun to see. So before we go out, really quick update on results from today as we record this Sunday. Uh, number one, Navy water polo um, lost a tough one, 9-6 to Furman in the conference championship. Um, yeah, I talked to Coach Nicolau right after the, the match, and, and he was like, it's kind of like all season. Like, we were right there, and we just couldn't finish. Um, yeah, the, Fordham's got a great squad, and they played well. Um, it was fun. I mean, I posted a video on, um, on Twitter there were a lot of people in Lejeune today uh, cheering them on. So hats off to Coach Nicolau, not only for making the Hall of Fame, but for getting these guys to the conference championship. Great match in the semifinals, beating GW number three in the country. Just couldn't get it done against Fordham. But, hey, hats off to you guys. You played really, really well. Also, quick update from Sunday, Navy playing in the second game down there in South Carolina, beat Furman, a very, very good Furman team, uh, 77 to 66. John Carter, uh, 21 points. Greg Summers pouring in 15. And Richard Njoku, uh, 14 points, seven for seven from the field. Um, so hats off to Coach D's guys for going down to South Carolina. Kind of a weird, like, pre-Thanksgiving week tournament. Um, and getting two wins um, after starting off the season with three really, really tough ACC teams. So, yeah, two, two good ways to end the week there. I know Saturday didn't go as well as people uh, wanted it to go. But, you know, the fact that water polo, after such a grueling schedule, um, you know, gets to the championship game. Great, great environment in Lejeune. Before we go out, one last thing that Chris and I want to talk about. We, we were able to host Ava Marie from WBAL. It was so great having her at the game. If we were less tweety, um, I don't think that's that's an actual word, Chris, but if we were less tweety uh, during the game on Saturday is because we were walking Ava and her husband, Kevin, who was such a great dude, around the game. It was their first Navy game. A lot of people reached out to her, said they were happy to see her, that they watch her doing the weather all the time. It was a really, really neat experience. Um, Chris, I'll, I'll let you chime in if you, if you'd like, but it was so great to be a part of someone's first Navy game experience to explain to them in a little bit more detail about 
what the brigade of midshipmen is all about, what the march on is, the the different traditions. It was just awesome to educate another member of the audience about what makes Navy great, right? Absolutely, John. I mean, that's, you know, whether it's bringing uh, extended family, whether it's bringing friends, whether it's in this case, bringing colleagues that became new friends, showing them the atmosphere that is Navy Marine Corps uh, Memorial Stadium and getting to talk about the midshipmen and all of the great things that they do day in and day out. is such a treat. And, um, y- you know, it was a great day with Ava and her husband. We saw, again, yeah, it's like every home game. We see Ty Lavatai's mom. Uh, it was great seeing Gina up in the stands rooting for, rooting for Ty. And, and like you, Chris, she was bundled up. Yeah, that, that high 40s weather was not something that agreed with her uh, Florida bloodstream, um, just like you. So, again, great, great environment, great time. And thanks to Ava again for doing our weather all season long. And we hope to welcome her back. Uh, next year when there are you know, more football games and more weather reports to have. So for Chris, for Wags, and Ward, I am John. What a great pod. We will see you next week. And if we don't, happy Thanksgiving. We are out. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this pod are our own and don't represent the views of the Naval Academy Athletic Association the United States Naval Academy, or any organization for that matter. Play-by-play calls from the Navy Radio Network are used in the opening of the show and from time to time will be part of podcast segments.